0: Hi FA Europeans, this is Matthias and in this episode we dive quite deep into cryptocurrencies and assets. Because decentralized financial systems will one day complement or replace the current financial system. Decentralized technologies are also evolving and can fuel all kinds of non-financial transactions too. Like insurance policies, event tickets or investing in companies. And right now, mainstream financial providers like Paypal are starting to adopt cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Hedge fund managers like Pika Druckmiller and companies like Square and MicroStrategy favor investing their company capital into cryptocurrencies. Conventional so-called fiat currencies like Dollar and Euro are being diluted by an increased amount of printed money. As the popularity of crypto is increasing and slowly goes mainstream, I would like our community to understand the new and important concepts in that field and what developments beyond Bitcoin are available or being developed. As I recently hosted the Fintech and Introtech meetup on the topic, I invited some experts in that field and now I just republished the presentation that has been recorded in the meetup, including the Q&A here in the FI Euro podcast. The two speakers of the presentation are Oliver Thielmann and Sebastian Deutsch, who are both theory entrepreneurs from Germany. Oliver runs a company called Giant Swarm for cloud computing, and Sebastian, a uh, company or an agency about web and app development. And they will tell you more about their path in the beginning of the presentation. If you are not familiar with crypto assets, you might feel a little bit overwhelmed, especially as the presentation is tailored to an audience for people who are curious about financial technology, business models, and innovation. Feel free to skip the episode and just don't try to understand everything at once, but instead pick a few ideas and then do your own research and discuss the finance with us in the Facebook group at financial-independence.eu slash community. So let me know what you think about the content and now enjoy Sebastian and Oliver giving us a brief update about crypto in 2021. Welcome to the Financial Independence Euro podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your host, Matthias.
1: Thank you, everybody, for being here. So, glad you turned it off and more people see more people on this wonderful grid, and we can see what happens. Um, So, uh, thanks for the introduction. Um, So, yes, Oliver Tillman, uh, one of the co-founders of Giant Swarm. In the normal life, I run websites like Adidas and the Telecom Speaker and admittedly a crypto exchange, uh, as a Kubernetes provider. So we manage Kubernetes clusters for the large ones out there. Um, and um, when we saw that chart, I started writing about Bitcoin in 2011 and um, still bought on that name thing that I forgot what the name was, the one that is now defunct and was started by the guy that also started Ripple. Um so I've been doing this for a long time. Sebastian, maybe a few words about yourself. Do you need to unmute yourself? You're still muted.
2: Zoom. Yeah. Uh yes, Zoom. Sebastian Deutsch, I'm the co-founder of Nine Elements, which is a software development agency. Um so we do software for for money. Um but but we helped a lot of startup uh, startups to kick off and um in that sphere we also uh, dug a little bit into the fintech space and um, it's not only that we are building for clients sometimes we also uh, being technical co-founders uh, of startups and um, yeah but uh, but this is so far. I got into the the whole crypto scene. actually I must say I, I left out on the on the whole Bitcoin hype. Initially, so I, I was aware when like everyone went when it was already in mainstream media. Uh but uh but I was so hooked. So I, I dug into so what else is there? And then I found Ethereum and um we were like pretty much at, at minute zero when Ethereum launched and helped pre-mining and uh helped the ecosystem. We actually built a mining farm in the beginning, and um from then on uh it never it never uh got off me and uh, I always followed even when it was not like in the in 2017 there was this big bubble it popped uh, but the the interesting projects they came after that there were people who were not there for the money but for building substantial software and uh, decentralizing stuff so Oliver where, where should we start
1: Exactly. So we, we we thought a bit, of, it's a different setting. Normally the podcast Aus purem Interesse is in German because we felt like there are a few German podcasts and we actually just started out of interest. And like Sebastian and me start, like talking to each other and it more or less goes into the deep end. So we have comments like people. So I listened to it a second time with a lot of pauses in between to write stuff down. I really liked it. So <laughs> Um, to a certain extent, it's an education podcast, um, and we talk about stuff like uh, fractional stable coins um, and deeper into Uniswap. Uh, and what we thought we'd do here is um, go a bit through last year. Like, I'll I'll go one by one. I take one, and Sebastian takes one, just in terms of like what happened the last year. For those that didn't remember, that really is beyond just price. Because I mean, yes, we can talk about price, but that's middle interesting um, uh, but what will project start we will take time by turn then we'll go a bit into the future and try to give you a few ideas of what is coming um, if there are any questions in between is there this raise your hand feature here otherwise i i, I can't really see the chat just um, one comment
0: AI. on one comment on the questions we will post also a slido singing uh, where you can post your um questions that we can answer in the end but you can also interrupt if you if you okay. it's feels urgent i think
1: sebastian and me are fine with interrupting we might yeah. use this thing as a podcast in the end so just <laughs> make sure you might be uh on the air uh, again um so um i'll 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 really i'll really start um and just start with a simple one and we know i know i didn't say it's about price but uh we'll we'll start with whether started. So, well, like, like everything dropped almost 90% in the last years, it was pretty much down. And we started the year with 7,200 in Bitcoin and 130 in Ether. We ended the year with 29,745. And we had stuff like 50%, 50% drops in between, and now have something like 77% of Bitcoin in the holdings of corporate treasuries of real corporate buyers. So, there's there's a last change on the money side but especially on the ethereum side a large scale of that growth comes from um just it really being used and one of the large things is for example the distributed finance part that you can build stuff like you can build a bank and an exchange and lending and so on and so forth on crypto um and there was actually, for example, in its contracts, I mean, we have the, the, the first um, the first DAO or the first uh, distributed autonomous organization, uh, which was years ago, actually failed because a bug in the contract. And they always said like uh, code over, over agreements. Um, and there was a flash loan system actually this year where there was a bug in the contract and they could... Empty wallets through that by ex- by exploiting the bug in the contract uh, and loaning stuff in real time. Um, but I'll hand over maybe to another, more like what broke or what interesting other things to Sebastian next.
2: Yeah, uh, it was like in in uh, 2018. There was like 2018 was the year of the stable coins because um like when the when the big uh, speculation bubble popped for um, crypto, um, people <clears throat> people were thinking like. Vitalik uh, Buterin, who is the inventor of Ethereum, asked like, "How many people uh, have we unbanked? Like, how useful is that? What we're doing actually?" And um, he he, in the bottom line, he was like pretty frustrated where the where the whole ecosystem were, and um, say people are not using cryptocurrencies uh, ex- outside speculation because the volatility is so high. So stable coins got invented in the beginning it was centralized stable coins like tether where we will get back later to again um, where the idea is that you like that you have a cryptocurrency where every like dollar at the cryptocurrency US dollar tether usdt is backed by 1 and um, there's also um, a project from circle it's like usD uh, usd dollar c um and But these but these are actually centralized. So if uh, some government government decides to take them down, they just can't. Like Circulus US Company, uh, if, if it needs to be regulated. And there was this one guy um, who had the idea what if we can build a decentralized stable coin? And I'm going to post the link. The first one was MakerDAO. And it was a pretty interesting project where the basic idea is that you can take your Ether, you're going to lock it up in a smart contract and you can take two thirds of the value. You can take it outside uh, in a new cryptocurrency, which they called DAI. Uh, and the DAI is also packed to a dollar. And uh, in order to make that work in a decentralized way, a lot of things have to come together. For example, um, if uh, like the, the DAI that you're going to take out are like two thirds of the value of the Ethereum that you're going to put in. So if the price of Ethereum drops for one third, uh, you will come to a point where the DAI that you took out are actually under collateralized. So there are less worth. So the first thing that MakerDAO did is they, they created an army of bots, which they call liquidators. Um, and they're going to sell these Ether on your behalf Uh and, and, and liquidate them on the market in order um, to generate like fiat uh, currencies. and then they're gonna uh, like keep it, the die like stable for that one. So if the if someone is selling a lot of die and like driving um, the, the dollar price like below the pack, then they're like buying die and if they uh, like if it's above the pack then they selling die and t- also trying to make some money on the arbitrage. And a lot of people said, this won't work. Like uh, wait until uh, a crash will occur and uh, like a volatility of like 33 percent is nothing in crypto. And actually it's, uh, it' makerdar survived um, three Black th- Thursday. yeah yeah, it, it, it survived like Black Thursday is special because at that point something really bad happened. but uh, initially it survived. so, now the crypto space had its first decentralized stablecoin, and this is where it like it really took off. Why did it took off? Because um, locking up ether in uh, inside MakerDAO and and having Dai, uh, they needed an instrument for people just to hold DAI because like the, the system needed a reserve on DAI which they can use to do some arbitrage on the centralized exchanges. And in order uh, to realize that, um, they actually um, paid the people who were staking DAI into the system, they paid them um, a fee, like a daily saving rate. This is what they what they called it. So uh, you could p- put money inside the system and you got out a pretty nice uh, um, a pretty nice rent like it was at the at the beginning was like 8% and and people were like okay uh, I got to get some 8% somewhere this is uh, in these times of investing it's like really high and uh, the risk is sure it's like crypto it's like pretty risky but it's not as risky as like holding ethereum because uh, the the currency was packed. There were already three major, not really crashes, but Meckada was pretty stable at that time. And um, the the daily saving rate uh, that that you actually got when you when you put in some DAI and staked staked it there, it was paid by the people who were like taking out the loan. So if they want to repay the loan, they have to pay uh, an eight percent stability fee. And all that variables. Uh, in that community like what is the stability fee how much do you get for daily saving rate that was also pretty novel was actually driven by the community it was not uh, like a company or something but you could actually participate in the project by by buying a token which was called maker uh, mkr and uh, the maker token allows you to be part of the governance so they created pages with proposals should we uh Raise the die limit. Should we increase the daily saving rate? Should we decrease the stability fee? And people could vote um, with the with maker uh, coins they have uh, into how the project uh, should evolve. That was also something I've never seen before in that manner so that it actually worked. Uh, and I was pretty amazed about that community. And um, yeah, from then on, the next cool project was like actually Uniswap, right? Do you want yeah. to Thing about uniswap
1: so so you have you have the first guy that built a stable coin and then you have in between came some like compound which was like again this credit stuff people started earning stuff on by by staking coins somewhere and uniswap actually was started by a guy that was jobless. And had no clue about code, and he started Uniswap. I think there are eleven people at the moment. Uh, they're just looking for two more if everybody's interested. Point is that they um, they figured, can't we can't we build an exchange like Coinbase on a contract um, and and automated and distributed again and like uncontrolled by a central authority, and so Uniswap is a is is a is a decentralized exchange. Uh, with liquidity providers, the interesting there thing there again is is how you earn money. So, you can imagine that there are actually on on all the big exchanges and just for also for arbitrage there are so-called liquidity providers. There are people that are providing liquidity. So, if you go in and say, I want to exchange hundred euros to Bitcoin, somebody has to do that trade. And there are people that are evening it out and providing liquidity everywhere. On Uniswap, I can go and say, I will now go into an, an Ether Ether die pool, for example, or Ether USDC pool, and give money into that. And I will provide liquidity on both sides. So I'll put in 10 Ether, which at the time are a thousand euros. So uh, it's ten thousand euros. On the other side, I put in ten thousand Dai, which is the same value, and I provide that pool. And there are a lot of people doing that. And Uniswap takes a zero point two percent fee. So who is getting that zero point two percent fee? The liquidity providers. There is a proposal again through through <laughs> oh, a coin. Um, there is a proposal again to to make sure that 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 sooner or later the Uniswap team also gets money but for now it's the liquidity providers that get it now you can imagine if you take a look at the stable coins for example the tether is i don't know 20 billion worth and exchanges 60 billion a day so if there's an exchange of like if if you have 10 dollars in there and it's exchanged three times a day then you make 0.6 percent a day which a year is a lot of percentages so you can really suddenly you can there are uniswap pools where you can make a hundred percent whatever and that actually makes sense because you're something that otherwise is only locked for bigger companies um and then uniswap had a similar problem that 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 Ripple has, which we might go into later, that Uniswap had the problem. Now they want this 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 community token and this Uni also for voting and other things and and providing uh, returns and things and how to distribute them. And what they did, what really people loved, is um, they they said, okay, everybody that did a trade before first of September two thousand twenty, will get four hundred Uni tokens. So they distributed UNI tokens over the entire community and got the love of that decentralized community. Um, And uh, so that got us the first really distributed exchange that now has a trading volume of hundreds of millions or billions. I don't know exactly the exact number. Somebody can look it up. It's gigantic, especially for something that is just a contract and uncontrollable. And admittedly, there's a large, long tail of stuff that you shouldn't exchange over Uniswap. Yeah. Um,
2: Maybe yeah. maybe I, I chime in here. It's like uh, Uniswap had had another novel idea. It's like you know centralized exchanges they're gonna run on an order book. So people are trying to sell stuff at a certain price, and the average of all the people who are selling stuff is gonna make the price, which is called like a market maker. And Uniswap actually had a a really novel idea. They 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 had this idea: if you want to trade a pair, for example, Ether and Dai or Ether and US Dollar T. You put the pools in like with the 50-50 percentage and you then you take a mathematical function, which is actually a quadrat- quadratic curve and say, okay, if I'm going to buy one of these, if I'm going to buy Ether for die, I'm going to move on that quadratic curve and make die more expensive because like I want Ether. And if someone wants to sell Ether, it moves back to the die. And uh, the idea was uh, to to stay at the at the center point of that quadratic curve. And in the beginning, it was not 100% sure if this actually works out. Uh, so if they could manage to attract enough liquidity, if the whole uh, like staying on this fixed equation on this quadratic curve, it was not clear that it worked out. But eventually, it worked out. And, and this is also why the community, all the people who were providing liquidity, all the people who have used Uniswap in the beginning, um, were rewarded with that UNI tokens, with the free UNI tokens. Maybe like these 400 UNI tokens are currently like ro- roughly about 3,000 euros. So it's not, not something like, which is like, a, hey, if you, if you invite someone to, to Coinbase, you get $10. It's like, hey, if you use Uniswap before, you get $3,000, which is definitely something.
1: First guy I invited to Coinbase, I got 0.1 Bitcoin for. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, uh, So, um, yeah. And um, just to finish that part off, um, which recently happened, because it's interesting because of the coin distribution, Um, Ripple was sued on 23rd of December of this year um, by the SEC in the US, and XRP dropped to a large extent, which is to a certain part because – Ripple just owns the largest part of XRP and can do with it what they want. So there you have the problem that actually only a fraction of the XRP is out there and the large part belongs to Ripple, the company, and they can move markets. And they never told anybody if they sold something. Uh, And that's what the SEC doesn't doesn't like. So it's really against Ripple a lot more than XRP, but XRP being so tied to Ripple, that's actually why it fell. And we had another big thing that happened in Last year, maybe we can quickly get into it. We have another, an entire episode on it. Uh, Ethereum 2 launched. And you actually started staking yourself, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, it's like uh, we were like running a mining farm in the beginning uh, from Ethereum. Like we stopped it at some point because like in Germany with with the electricity cost, it, it does not make sense. Uh, but when Ethereum 2, they actually switched from a consensus algorithm uh, like this is this mathematical riddle each uh, miner has to solve in order to validate transactions. Um, and they switch it from proof of uh, proof of work where you have to solve that mathematical riddle to proof of stake where you actually put a lot of money in. Like the algorithm now works like this. Uh, there are transactions incoming from the network and um, out of like 20,000 validators Randomly, one is uh, like elected to be the block proposer, which takes and validates the transactions and says like these transactions are valid, they are correct. And then out of the 20,000 validators, another 64 validators are elected as well, who are um, like uh, controlling if the first validator who proposed the block is right. And if he's not right, he will all lose all the money that he staked. Like, this is the basic idea of proof of stake. And um, the benefits are that you don't have to waste electricity on solving a random uh, mathematical model. You also go, it also goes down, you know, like proof of work has gotten an arms race uh, where you have to buy a lot of like uh, heavy uh, graphic cards machinery uh, to make it work or have to buy ASICs. And now, uh, like everyone can join in with the Raspberry Pi, and it is it, actually narrowed down to the economical incentive. Yeah, like you're being right and you're being honest, then you will get rewards and keep your money. If you if you try to cheat, then you will lose all your money. And um, but there was like in order to make that work, there was a lot of uh, stuff involved. Actually, there was a, a big proposal for Ethereum to. Uh, it consists of multiple phases and phase zero has taken off this year in December. In order to make that work, there were like four competing uh, Ethereum clients, validator clients. There's a new blockchain, the Beacon Chain, uh, that has kicked off. And um, we uh, at Elements thought it would be super fun uh, to be a validator and to lock in some Ethereum and to be part of it uh since uh, since we believe that like this transition will actually leverage the network uh into into new hates and like this is ethereum from like phase zero because like the whole decentralized finance thing with uh Mekadau, uniswap compound uh it leads that we have a lot of transactions like the network at ethereum it's pretty clocked it's at 99% usage right now, and gas prices are pretty high. It's like when you say uh, cryptocurrencies are to unbanked people who are not banked yet, and you tell them in order to make a transaction they have to pay like twenty dollars in gas fees. That does not sound very cool. Yeah, this is not what it's what the original vision was. But with Ethereum 2, there are, are several things uh, in in order. Like first thing is like this. Uh, Moving from proof of work to proof of stake, which is also in resulting in a in a better performance and more transactions per second, but also um, they they are uh, planning a phase one point five where they uh, where they're going to shard the network, where they're going to take that huge single blockchain and make it different shards, maybe for different projects. It's not eventually, it's not hundred percent specified, but they want to scale to uh round about like 2000 transactions per second which is something that you can definitely work with where you can like say um uh, even even like i don't know how much mastercard or visa has uh, per second but like 2000 is something uh where where enough uh volume is there to do a lot of applications to create a lot of applications um yeah
1: so that kind of concludes a little bit um our 2021 and maybe maybe a few things to watch uh, 2020 maybe a few things to watch in 2020 because we really see that there's a lot of stuff that raised a lot of money we have distributed exchanges we have Credit systems. There are people. Um, there's with Frax and uh, with 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 others. There are there are now 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 fractional stable coins that aren't totally collateralized. There's lots of interesting things out there. Um, I'd like to mention two, for example. There's a company called Definity that is launching that actually raised 102 million from Andreessen Horowitz over three years, like roughly three years ago. Definity is launching a, um, a hosting system. So they have tens, if not hundreds, of data centers that are totally separate. Um, these data centers provide, like, like Docker containers, to put it simple, like place for containers that can be a smart contract, that can be a container that can run stuff. That you can distribute everywhere. That will always run in multiple data centers. They're trying to build a distributed cloud. A distributed cloud that cannot be killed, and is not controlled by them. Everything is run through contracts. Um, go to Definity and look at uh, um, and look at how their how their how their, how their economic system works. It's mind-boggling. You know, they they really had they recently had their launch uh, like end of last year launch event, and they really sought this through in terms of, again, you having an ICP token that is the token that allows you to be able to vote on decisions of the network. Um, you need the ICP token to get the token that buys your compute resources. So the ICP token will shrink in the amount of tokens that are there because they're exchanged and then burned. So they they can't come back. That is you need to buy ICP and then burn them to get the other ones. Um, you can lock them in a contract and dependent on how you lock them, the more return you earn the and the more votes you have. And the longer you lock them, and the longer they are locked, the more votes you get. So if you lock them for three years and keep them in there, and after six years, the amount of votes rise. So it's incentivizing being there for a long time. Lots of interesting things. A um, second one is actually Blockstack, um, something that started... There's one name years ago on AngelList. And um, uh, Blockstack is a distributed application system. You actually have a blockchain-based word processor, an Excel sheet and presentation thing, chatbots, task managers, lots and lots of different things. They just launched a few days ago Stacks. Stacks is is their new blockchain that sits, to a certain extent, on top Bitcoin and provides smart contracts on top of Bitcoin and an option of stacking, not staking, as they call it, just to invent a new name. Um, And through that stacking, you can actually earn Bitcoin. So you can take your block stack and stack them, which provides again, security for the network and earn Bitcoin with it. So, um, all of these things kind of just like there is real stuff slowly but surely coming that is not just money Um, and that really allows you to do stuff Um, a lot of it is obviously still about like like earning in this entire craze but really things to do that to automate tasks to get things done to launch applications to be in control of your data we obviously have stuff like like IPFS and filecoin and other things to store data. So there's really stuff coming that is way beyond way beyond just just making money. And based on the projects you see out there, there's lots of stuff where you see that people really thought economically about this and with a group of coins you can build economic incentive systems that really work. And that's what makes this space so amazingly interesting, especially long term.
2: Yeah, for all those uh, who who want to see, like these are, I call this infrastructure projects. But for all the people who want to look at the at the actually applications uh, that are that are out there who are making money, should check out DeFi DeFi pools, where you can see uh, like this MakerDAO, where, where sort of like uh, MakerDAO is like a big lending platform or credit-making platform, Ava, Compound, Uniswap, where you're going to see them, and you're going to see how much money is actually inside there, and you can uh, make up for your own, if you, if you want to to be a part of this one, uh, or if you want to go inside there. I have one very last uh, topic, um, that is, for me, it's like pretty interesting, and this is uh, algorithmic stablecoins, like you actually mentioned, Frex Finance, uh, and, uh, for that one, I have to, like, um, get a little bit more basis. If you take the euro, this is uh, going to be uh, an elastic currency. Why it's elastic? The ECB can can print money. And if you have, like, 1,000 euros in your bank and the ECB prints money, they actually got inflated so or diluted. And um, if you take Bitcoin, this is an inelastic, non-dilutable currency because, like, there are 21 million. And if they're out, they're going to be out. And, uh, some, some guy thought, what if I create a currency that's going to be elastic, but it's, uh, it won't dilute. And, um, like, this is something that you can do in the Took real world. Took me a world. bit of
1: time to get that one.
2: Yeah. I, we talked about it
1: last podcast. <laughs> Go,
2: Yeah. And like in in real world, you can't do that because if like, if you have 100 euros in your pocket and the ECB prints money, you can't open your wallet and like suddenly out of magic, it's like 110 euros. Uh, But with cryptocurrencies and smart contracts, you can do that. It's like you can see how much wallets are holding which value. And if you're going to increase the supply, you can like benefit each holders and give them pro rata, like uh, the, the amount that you print. Uh, and make it make it uh, non-dilutable. And people are actually using this uh, to create stable coins uh, because they say, like the people who had it in their pocket, they're actually probably going to sell it and then the price drops. Or if they have like less of it and they need it, they're going to buy some and this increases the price. Uh, the first of its kind was like Ampleforth, like as an experiment. Uh, and from there on, like moved others, uh, which is called like a- empty empty set dollar and uh, dbase is, is another one and um yeah and this is also a pretty interesting thing because like if you if you think that through uh, for example if if europe at some point will get a digital euro and um you think about like if the ecb prints some money and you can actually give people who don't have much money, you can say like so that that you have like for example, if you have ten thousand euros, you save ten thousand euros. We're gonna give you something on that if we're gonna print money. And people who have a lot of money, like people who have like uh, ten millions in there in the because they're incredibly rich, uh, you don't give them that much. So there's like there's a lot of design opportunities in these rebasing mechanisms of these elastic. And uh, dilutable, non-dilutable uh, uh, stablecoins, and uh, yeah,
1: and that's what makes this like perfect for like first question from Anke about like what will happen with Miss Helen not being a crypto fan in the US and stuff. That's what makes them afraid, you know, um, and that's what's so mind that that's what's so fascinating and mind-boggling. You can theoretically build an automated system that everybody has 500 euros at the beginning of the month in their pocket, independent on how much money they have in their pocket. And they can have a saving things next to it, but that has a limit. You can do a million things that wouldn't otherwise be possible. That makes governments very afraid. But I really like the saying of some of the VCs in the US, you can't stop tens of thousands of engineers inventing stuff. You know, um, especially with some of the stable coins and like like, Uniswap is a contract. Like you can you can theoretically put the guys that invented it in jail, but that doesn't stop Uniswap.
2: And th- this um, is like a fun fact. He actually tweeted about it. It's like you can put me in jail. You can actually block the website. But actually, two thirds of the volume of Uniswap, which is four times the volume of Coinbase Pro. Like it's billions of money, uh, billions of euros uh, each each week. Um, <laughs> Two thirds of this volume is actually triggered by other smart contracts, and roughly about 140 other websites who are using this. Some of them even run on IPFS or on unstoppable domains. Yeah.
1: Unstoppable is another example. You can g- get an unstoppable domain, which also already works in Opera's I now. Otherwise, you need a plugin, and the domain name is registered to your ethereum wallet so there's no central for those that don't know DNS like if you look for google.com it asks who runs.com. it looks at a few servers that are in your browser fixed set in your in your in your in your in your, in your, in your com- computers DNS system.com goes there they tell you Google go there and they start looking. This will got just go to Ethereum and it's your name. And nobody can take that. Nobody can change it. There's no central authority.com could turn off Google if they wanted to. Um so 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 that's really that's really the big change. And um, um that's why I think they will like of course the US will try to regulate a few things. Like this, there there is risk. I mean, at the moment you can make really nice amounts of money with shit coins and insider trading, you know, that's true. That is possible. Um, like if you know a way your way around code and can read stuff and know people and are very active on lots of different channels and communities and Discord and, and Telegram and so on and so forth and build that up, you can do stuff that like that 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 is that is s- sketchy is the wrong word, but you're amazingly early and can lose your shirt. Like if you know what you're doing, that's fine, and that's why we have rules that not everybody can invest in startups uh, because actually 90 percent of startups die and that's how it's supposed to be and hence you can lose your shirt and hence, you need to know what you do you can't invest in one startup doesn't work um so so that's what you need to pay attention to um and that's also why there will be regulation um and and there is no your customer there are very few like there's a there's an exchange in, I don't know, North Korea that you can register on via VPN that doesn't require, know your customer. I don't know, but a Coinbase, a Binance is, if you really want to do something on a big exchange, you need to, you need to register with your, with your, with your passport and stuff. Um, there was one a question. Yeah. That's there,
2: yeah. one question. Like if you're a beginner and how to yeah. start, I I would like to answer that. Or do you, I weren't you finished. No, go. Okay. Um, <clears> okay. <throat> Uh, like if you're a beginner you should like check out like this wallet Argent it's a pretty cool wallet because it's like it's an app there's a company behind it but actually everything is decentralized so uh, there's a smart contract who's like um, holding your accounts it's not the company holding your accounts it's a smart contract and you can also uh, allow your friends you can invite them to be your guardian so if you're going to lose your pass fra- phrase they can help you to recover your private key and it's super user friendly, and it's good to get into. And I can just recommend like go to Arjun, get some crypto, get some Dai, get some US dollar C, and um, then maybe install MetaMask. Like this is uh, another project like yeah. which you can use in the browser, and and do something on Uniswap. Try something. Just try it out. Uh, so uh, for for legal reasons, this is not financial in- advice. Like the market. <laughs> uh has run crazy uh, like uh, Ethereum like really like 10 times uh, since last year. And um, there's a risk like if the regulation, if Yellen says like we're gonna regulate uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum and we're gonna forbid it, uh, then that probably you will lose all your money. Uh, it will be it will be gone and maybe out of these ashes there will rise a new some new stuff. like um, I don't think that it's it will be possible because the public interest, is actually too high. For example, Mutin, who said like that we're gonna regulate Bitcoin, they started like a proposal um, which they wanted to get through before uh, the Trump era ended, and they didn't. Actually, they didn't manage to do it. They got an extension, and um, like uh, the the new uh, like guy for the SEC, which is like more the regulation danger than the Treasury, uh, is is someone who is like, who actually knows crypto. He teaches it at, at uh, I, I don't know if it's Harvard or Stanford at one of these. And there's also been something, some news that came out that the treasury actually allowed banks to settle in stable coins and to use smart contracts to do that. They would not do it if they're not see the potential of the technology. So, they don't,
1: and they don't care about the technology as much as that. As that, they see it as an opportunity. They, they need to care for protecting people. They need to care that we can't just all run rampant and like at the moment. We can probably give you three links, and you can create a coin, and you can launch it on Coinbase, and you can get three friends that create liquidity, and people buy it, and you make money there's a bit more involved to really make money, but it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not witchcraft. You know, the, we, we are moving into script kitty territory where you can just copy something and then you have your coin and you just rename it and you're done. Um, so, so, so that's the, that's the thing we need. That's the thing they need to watch out for. Um, because there is actual value and they see that like there's a, there's a new company spark coming out with a credit card. Um, they're using the lightning network. Lightning network is a network above Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is theoretically gold, as easy as thought process, and moving that is relatively hard. It's heavy, you know? So lightning network is built on top to move fractions of a Bitcoin without any fees. It's like you have two Bitcoin nodes and, or, or two Bitcoin wallets and you need to create a channel between that and they can transact left and right and sooner or later they settle, but they settle way later and only when they settle do they need to move back to the bitcoin blockchain and beforehand it's just independent which means you can move fractions of US dollars if you look at swift banking system if i if if you use swift to move money from here to the US it will through swift through different banks to really move that money somewhere else and to move that money, it's really expensive, but they need to move that money because banks don't trust each other anymore after the first financial, like the last financial crisis. So they don't trust each other. So they don't open books and say, okay, I sent you a thousand dollars, just put it on my credit, we'll settle that later. They need to settle it directly. They use SWIFT and they send it over, takes three days, is expensive. Then we had um, TransferWise. What TransferWise does is I want to send a thousand dollars to the US And then they wait that another amount of people want to send $1,000 to Europe. And then you send, okay, then it evens each other out and they pay out the money. Pretty simple. With Spark, they move the money. They have, you have a credit card in euros and you want to move it, I want to move it to somebody else in the US. They will take these $100, do a live exchange, on their their local exchange in Europe then take that money on the lightning network send it instantly without fees exchange it in US dollars and it's there they moved money in a fraction of a second really moving it without any fees if that really works they still have to launch it's mind boggling like life like that's what ripple tried to do for years but they needed banks to work with it so that's the other one. Um, we have another question here about Avalanche. I think there's lots of things out there. That's like Blockstack is another one for developers. Avalanche, from from what I understand, is also trying to be like a platform for developers to do stuff. I'm not yet sure if we're that far along yet. I'd probably have to defer to to Sebastian to really get that from a developer standpoint. From my multiple founder, angel, whatever standpoint standpoint, I'd say, dudes, we're still at a territory where each of these is very different and uses very different things. And I don't know if you can standardize it that much already. That's where I would be skeptical. Long term, it's a cool play if they have, if they have the bandwidth and the breadth to just last for five or ten years. Lots of opportunities.
2: Oliver and Sebastian, any last remarks? Mm, shall i ask answer on the avalanche thing or or something (laughs) else (laughs) um yeah maybe maybe for the avalanche it's like there's a lot of i call them infrastructure projects uh which aimed at developers because like this is something like if you if you want to look at a coin or a project always look at it holistically so what's the opportunity what are they doing different this is also something um where where i like where they're doing a great job. Like how is it different from Ethereum? How is it different? But what it really does different, but just being different is not a succeeding factor anymore. Like for example, for oracles, like there's been Chainlink, which is like the biggest Oracle provider. There are a lot of oracles who are like also doing a decent job. None of them has catched like the, the, uh, integ- the numbers of integrations uh, like that, like Chainlink did. And, um, this is something, if a, if a project is able to build a successful community, and this is why I invite you, like, be more honest to join Discords, to join Telegrams, talk with the people, uh, get a feeling how active a community is. Um, do their getting started on your computer if you're able to do some coding, like getting a hello world, do something. If it feels good, then it's maybe worth something to invest in. But Like the first time we invested in Ethereum was like, I don't know, five, six years ago. And uh, it's paying off like right now, maybe. (laughs) So So then then you're not working uh, anymore.
1: As last words, I say exactly like like, like, like Sebastian said, um, do it to learn something. You might make money on the side. If you do it to make money, you will fail. I'm 99% sure. This thing will drop. This thing will be more volatile than your stomach can fathom. Um, But if you're in there to learn something, which we were from the beginning, then go. You know, Uh, worst thing that can happen is you learn something.
0: Thank you for listening to the episode. We really appreciate you taking the time and we would love to hear your feedback in the comments on our website, financial-independence.eu. Or you can head over to our Facebook group and engage with us and like-minded people that you can find at financial-independence.eu slash community. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review if you like. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle FI Europe. And for people on our email list, we post occasionally about special updates, ideas events and create the best contents from the european fi community you can find that at financial-independence.eu slash newsletter thank you for being part of the community and see you in the next episode